Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. It is currently 9.38 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, about an hour ago, I arrived home from church, an hour of teaching, you know, the 20-minute drive there, the 20-minute drive home, the hour of teaching, the prep that went into getting everything ready, you know, to go to church. Uh, You know, as I was driving home, I'm like, okay, I hope hope that teaching went well. I hope I accomplished something. You know, the typical things you think about after you're done preaching, you're never completely happy with it. You always hope that you, you know, accomplished something, that that you did something, that some that someone somewhere got something from it. So you know you're having those thoughts. But I drive I drive up to the you know drive up in the driveway, walk in the house, carry in all my bags, the computer, all of my Bibles, the books, everything, bring it all in, and I'm kind of like, okay, all right, it's it's Wednesday night. I think I'm gonna take it easy. Maybe I'll watch some basketball, maybe some hockey, maybe I'll. I'll watch a movie, a TV show, who knows? I'm just I'm just going to take it easy. It's been I've done hours of teaching today um uh, other than church here on well, on this podcast. And I thought, you know, I I think I've done pretty good. I I always feel like, well, maybe I should do one more broadcast. Maybe I should turn on the microphone one more time. There's always a part of that, but I I I do a little bit better now kind of going, you know what? You know what? Let's just take it easy. So I got ready. I kind of just got, I got ready for the evening. I got I got something to drink. I got I got a snack. I was just I was just ready to take it easy. And then I saw a message that someone sent to me, and they sent to me something they saw on Facebook. And the message really bothered them. It really, it really bothered them. I think, I, I think it would be fair to say they were very upset by it. And they were asking me, hey, what, what message of yours would you send this person to try to bring them some kind of comfort, to try to bring them some kind of hope, to try to provide an answer to them? What message would you send to them? And I, I, I didn't even really give it a thought because I'm like, I, you know, I could go find some old message, but that that just seems so impersonal right that that doesn't seem like that wouldn't show that i actually care right because if i actually cared instead of sending an old message i'll just walk upstairs to the theology central studio turn on the microphone go live this evening and try to speak directly to that person no do i think that person is listening to me live right now no i know they they are not but uh, what i hope will happen is that the person who asked me what message would you give to them that they will take this and share it with the individual? And I hope the individual will understand that I, I was bothered by your message. I was greatly concerned for you. And so I wanted to just speak to you directly. I am hoping other people will hear this who need this message as well. Now, this isn't some planned out sermon. I didn't sit down and and try to, you know, write out a sermon or an outline. I, I didn't want it to be that either. I didn't want it to be so impersonal. I wanted it to be like you you came to me, you walked up to me and said, hey, I, I don't know what to do. And we just started having a conversation. 
and I just started talking to you, sharing from the heart. And, and so there may be some who will hear this going, well, you didn't address this. You didn't talk about this. This is just trying to speak to anyone, anyone who is overwhelmed, who is burdened by their sin and by their guilt. Someone who understands that no matter how hard they try, they seem to never do the right thing and they don't think they will ever please God and they begin to be filled with doubt and questioning. Now, this is nothing new. It's the month of October. And the month of October for Christians, I know we spend more time arguing about Halloween, but we should spend more time thinking about the Protestant Reformation. And if you know anything about the Protestant Reformation, you know the cent- one of the central figures of the Protestant Reformation was a Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther. And Martin Luther had been going through a crisis, a, a crisis of faith. Because he realized that, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe in Christ, the eternal, only begotten Son of God who was crucified. I believe in him. But he understood that he continued to sin. And he sinned. And he sin- and no matter how hard he tried, he continued to be a sinner. And he would go to confession. And he would confess and confess and confess every sin he could think of. And as soon as he left the confession booth, he would be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's another sin. He was burdened. He knew that God was absolutely holy. He understood that God had given us his law. God had given us his moral law. And you know what God demands from that moral law? The law that he gives us? The law that says, thou shall not do this. Thou shall do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. That law reflects that our God as is a holy God who gives us his moral law. And that moral law reflects his holy character, his holy attributes. But that law demands a personal a perfect, an entire, exact, and a perpetual obedience. God demands from you and he demands from me a personal, a perfect, an entire, an exact, and a perpetual obedience. And Luther understood that the law of God demanded that. The law of God commands. The law of God demands. But here's what the law of God always leads to condemning and condemnation of Luther, of the person sitting here behind this microphone, and to the person on Facebook who was so burdened. And I will read their message in a minute, but 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 Luther struggled with the same thing. He, he saw the law of God and he's like, I don't obey this perfectly. I don't obey this exactly. I don't obey it entirely. I definitely don't obey obey it perpetually. And Luther knew, I am condemned. Woe is me. I am a sinner, but I'm trying. He would do penance. He would do confession. He tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried, and, and he kept sinning. What was the answer? Was there hope? Was the hope buying an indulgence? Was the hope going to purgatory so he could have all of his sins purged? What was his hope? Was there any hope? Was there any solution? Well, the Protestant Reformation put forth a very, 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 very important answer that Luther felt was had been there right there in the scriptures the whole time that the church has, in a sense, lost, had forgotten. What was that answer? 
Well, before I give you that answer, let me read for everyone else the message that was posted on Facebook. Now, I don't have the exact time it was posted, but it just said eight minutes. So whenever this screenshot was taken, it was eight minutes prior, I guess, to that screenshot. I'm, I'm assuming that's how it worked. Haven't been on Facebook for a very long time. And the reason is because, well, I, I proved that I'm still a sinner on Facebook. So, yeah, we, we, we can just, just know the one talking to you is us, has been a sinner and is still a sinner. And you'll understand that in just a minute. But here was the message. I'm not going to give the name. I'm, I'm not going to give the, the group this person is part. I'm not going to give any of that information because the key here is not to try to point someone out. It's to try to help someone. But they wrote something. They wrote these words or posted these words, typed these words. I don't think I'm one of the chosen ones. The same struggles my whole life. I can't change. And he hasn't changed me. I'm almost, and then he gives his age or her age. I don't know if it's a, um, yeah, I don't know if a, if a him or a her, I, that's irrelevant. The person, they didn't identify themselves. They did identify their age, but I'm not going to give their age. But the, just listen to those words. I don't think I'm one of the chosen. In other words, I don't think I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved because the same struggles my entire life. I keep having the same struggles. I can't change and he hasn't changed me. There hasn't been a change. There's no change. Now, I don't know what they mean by no change. I can't speak to that. But I know this. <laughs> anyone, anyone who looks at the law of God, anyone who looks at the law of God, anyone who looks to the law, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You either will try to perceive what you think you somehow obey that, or you're going to perceive the reality of how much you disobey it. I guess you can try to find some, oh, I, 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 I love God. But, but, you, but if you're honest, you don't love him with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You fall short of that 24-7. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every, anyone who's even halfway honest with themselves knows that they fall so short of that. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. You love yourself like you love yourself because we love ourselves above anything else. Uh, the, the Christian life is, right, well, we can go, we can add one more. Be ye holy as God is holy. You never accomplish that. You fall short. You fall short of that all the time. Christianity is, you're supposed to die to self, deny self, and follow Christ. You don't die to self. You don't deny self. You fall short of that all the time. Anyone who's been a part of Christianity for any length of time, we can continue to see these laws, these commands, and they command, and they demand, and guess what they call for? They call for a personal, a perfect, an entire, an exact, and a perpetual obedience. And you fall short of it, and I fall short of it. Everyone does. Now, oh, you can, you can grab some fig leaves, and you can cover yourself up and make yourself look like you're doing wonderful. You can put on a robe of self-righteousness. You can clean up the outside of the cup. You can clean up the outside of the tomb. But you know deep down how far you fall short of this. You know you do. You feel the weight of it. Because the law always condemns. The law always reveals. So where is the hope? 
The hope is not, listen, if you want comfort, if you want peace, if you want hope, if you want salvation, don't look to yourself. Don't look to the supposed change you see or don't see. Look to the perfection of the eternal Son of God who was incarnated, took upon human flesh, kept the law perfectly for you, died to pay for your sins, and by faith, his righteousness, his righteousness is imputed. It's accredited to your account. Your hope for salvation is not what you think, how much change there is. Because even if you see some change, is that sufficient change to supposedly prove you're saved? Because whatever change you see, it's far from perfect. It's an imperfect change. It's a corrupted change. It's a change that's got some good in it and it's got some bad in it. Look to Christ. Look to him. Listen, by faith, his righteousness which is perfect, his obedience, which is perfect. The theological term is by faith. It is imputed unto you. It is accredited to you. Your hope for salvation isn't, oh, look at what I do. Look at this. Look at me. Stop looking to you. Look to him. It's perfect. In Christ, in Christ Jesus, you are perfect. In your position, you are holy, you are righteous, you are sinless, you are, you are perfect in every way because you stand and you are obedient, you are perfectly obedient. Think about this way, Christ, the eternal son of God, second person of the Trinity, the law of God, he kept perfectly, he kept the law of God personally. He kept the law of God entirely. He kept the law exactly, and he kept the law of God perpetually. And that obedience is accredited to you by faith. Yes, when you hear the gospel, you are to change your mind and turn your thinking towards God and say, yes, I'm a sinner. Christ is holy. I, 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 and he died for me, and I'm trusting in him. But it is by faith that you are declared to be righteous. Let me make it very clear. You, by faith, you're declared to be righteous. Not made righteous in a practical sense. You are declared to be righteous. You are made righteous positionally. Guess what is true practically? You still have a sinful nature. You're still going to sin. You're still going to fall short. You're still going to struggle. You get With your mind... With your mind, Paul said this in Romans chapter 7, you are going to try to serve the law of God with your mind, but with the flesh, you're going to serve the law of sin because you have a corrupt nature in you. You're going to fall short. You're going to find yourself over and over and over again like the Apostle Paul. The things I want to do, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, I continue, I continue to do. That's the truth of it. Now, I know thousands of Christians around you will be like, no, 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 don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. And they're going to point to you basically to the law. Hey, no, you, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? This proves you're saved. Well, if you're looking to the law to prove you're saved, that means the law is required for you to be saved. And we are not saved by works. We are not saved by law. We are saved by the righteousness of Christ. And if you want to say we are saved by works, listen to me. 
We are saved by the work of Christ. That is what we're saved. That's, that's how we are saved. Someone just uh, posted a message in the chat. I'm going to read it. Let me, uh, let me grab my iPad here and open up the chat so that I can respond directly to it and I don't misread it because the computer is halfway across the table. It says, Amen. Just as he wrapped human flesh around himself for us, he wraps his righteousness around us. Why wouldn't we want God to do all the work for us? We take away from the gospel and God's grace when we think our work has anything to do with it. Amen, amen, amen. And even if we thought our work had anything to do with it, it would leave us helpless. It would leave us hopeless. It would leave us condemned because no matter any work that you can grab onto and go, see, see, there's a change. There's a change. I could look at that change and go, that change is not perfect. That change is not entire. That change is not exact. That change is not perpetual. That change is corrupted because you're going to be looking at some kind of imperfect change to give you some hope. Stop looking to you. Look to Christ. Look to his shed blood. He paid for all of your sins by his shed blood and your unrighteousness was imputed to him, accredited to his account. And his righteousness is accredited to you. So you stand before God, no matter how much sin is in your life, no matter how much you fell, you stand before God. And in your position, you're a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. All is new in your position. Because in practice, the old nature is still there. Now, am I saying just live in sin and do whatever we want? No. Hopefully, the, the gospel and what Christ has done for you will continue to lead you to be broken over it and bothered by it so that, yes, you do pursue righteousness. Yes, you do turn to the word of God and you pursue it, but your pursuit is always, is always going to be flawed. You, 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 your hope is Christ. Your hope is not you. Your hope is Christ's perfection. Your hope is not in, in what supposed change may show up in your life. Because that change will always be corrupted. Let's just read a little, just a, a few, uh, just a few scriptures here. Just, just to get us thinking here about this. All right. Just look at Romans chapter three. Just, just, I'm just going to pick out a couple here. Romans chapter three. What then? Are we better than they? No and no wise. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they are all under sin. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever gender you are, race, it doesn't matter. Geography, you are under sin. We are all sinners by nature. We're born with a depraved nature. And even after salvation, that depraved nature doesn't go away. There, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to, to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, 
that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Everyone listening to me, you're guilty before God in yourself. We're not guilty in Christ because Christ fulfilled the law and paid for my sin of breaking the law. But the scriptures continue. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You will never be justified by the deeds of the law. So why would you look to the deeds of the law for any kind of assurance? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law points out your sin. It reveals your sin. It screams, you are a sinner. Every single day when I open up God's word and I read passages that are law and the passages of scripture that are law are the ones that say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Every time I read them, you know what I know? I am a sinner. I have, since my salvation, I have failed God so many ways. I have failed God in word and in deed. I have failed God in what I have done and what I have undone. I have failed God in that which is public and people know about and have talked about and have posted things on the internet about. And I have failed God in ways that are private that people will never know. But I know that I am a sinner. There is no excuse for it. I don't make any excuse. But I was born a sinner and I have a sinful nature and that sinful nature will not go away until I have a glorified body, and I'm no longer in this body that is corrupted by sin. Now, should I, ex I'm not excusing that sin. I must, I must confess it. I must fight against it. I must try to move away from it, but I'm going to continue to do it. Romans 3 continues. This is very important. This is very important. Uh, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a pro propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Propitiation. Christ satisfied God's wrath. See, you before God, you are guilty and you deserve the wrath, but God, Christ satisfied the wrath of God. Christ saved you from the wrath of God because he satisfied it, because Christ took the wrath of God upon himself in your place. And by faith, all of God's wrath is taken care of in Christ Jesus. So uh, uh, look at this, uh, Romans 3, 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, and he might be just, and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. You Look, you will never have anything to boast about. And if you look to some change in your life, then that you're going to boast. You say, well, God's the one producing the change. Well, if God is producing the change, then all Christians should be perfect because God wouldn't produce an imperfect change. And then if there isn't change, you couldn't be blamed because it would be God who didn't produce the change. There's no boasting because my salvation is not found in some change in me. 
It's found in the perfection of Christ, his righteousness. He is satisfying the wrath of God on my behalf. Where is boasting? It is, it is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And then Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glorify, but not before God. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed God, and it was, a, it was accredited to him as righteousness. I would challenge you to do this. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and all the supposed great men of faith. Oh, it talks about the wonderful things they do in Hebrews 11. Yes, and it looks wonderful and looks great. But those men were sinners who committed very bad things, who did very bad things. So just remember that, that the focus is on the faith. The focus is on what Christ did for them. They are declared righteous. They're declared to be godly because of the righteousness of God imputed to you, accredited to you, by faith. And then I would look at one more. Second Corinthians. Love this passage of scripture. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. For he, second Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him, have made Christ to be sin for us. Uh, someone just asked me to go over Romans 4. Let me go back here. Romans 4, 4 through 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Like if it was based off what you do, then it would be, it wouldn't be grace. It would be, it would be what we do. It'd be some debt. Hey, hey, because of what I do, well, then I get salvation in verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's because of our faith that we are declared to be righteous. It is by faith. And just remember, faith is not something we do. Faith is a gift of God. God grants us the faith. We can't even take credit for our faith. Faith is given to us by God. It's all of God from beginning to end. God is the one who saves us. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, there, I, please note, I understand there's lots of much more theological implications here. Please note, um, we have an entire series on the book of Romans. Uh, we've made it all the way up to chapter 10, and then we took a little detour for law and grace. You can go listen to all the sermons from, from Romans chapter 1 all the way to Romans 10. But let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.21 because I love this passage. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Now, this is important. God, in a sense, made Christ to be sin for us by imputing our sin to Christ. 
Our sin is imputed to him. It's uh, our sin is, in a sense, accredited to Christ. Christ, in a sense, takes upon our sin. It's accredited to his account. And he has that sin. Then God poured out his wrath upon our sin on the cross. He poured out his wrath on him. That's the cup Jesus talked about drinking. Like, is there any way for, for me to pass this cup? And he said, not my will, your will be done. And he drank that cup. And that's a picture of God's wrath. God's wrath is the cup. And he drank all of God's wrath. He took upon your sin in the sense that our sin was imputed to him. Then God poured out his wrath. Christ propitiated, satisfied the wrath of God completely. There's no more wrath left for us. It's all been satisfied in Christ Jesus. There's no wrath to come to me. It's all been taken care of by Christ. So he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we, that you, that I, that those who put their faith might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, how are we made righteous? By faith. It's an imputed righteousness. It's not an infused righteousness. It was the whole Protestant Reformation. We're not infused. We're imputed. We're declared to be righteous. I'm declared to be a saint when I'm very much a sinner. I'm declared to be saint. I'm declared to be perfect when I'm very much imperfect. I'm declared to be godly when I'm very much ungodly. I'm declared to be obedient when I'm very much disobedient. I'm declared to be a new creature where I'm still very much an old creature. It's declared that all the old is gone and everything is new when the sinful nature still remains because in my position before God and Christ, all of those things are absolutely true. But on this planet, in this body, we are sinners. That's why the Apostle Paul, everyone forgets this passage. I do not know why. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. He, he talks about, he sees another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, this is Romans 7, 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And look at what he says here. So this gets overlooked, and I don't know why Christians do weird things with this. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, my mind... Remember, repentance by nature is a change of mind. That's literally what the word re makes a reference to. I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. My flesh is going to continue to serve the law of sin in some capacity. It's going to sin. It's going to desire sin. It's going to fight against me. It's going to want what it wants. It wants its way. It doesn't want God's way. It wants its will, not God's will. It wants to please itself. It doesn't want to please, please God. It wants to glorify itself. It doesn't want to glorify God. It wants to go its way, not God's way. It doesn't want to deny self. It doesn't want to die to self. It wants self to be very much alive, and it creates nothing but problems. And any Christian who's halfway honest with themselves, now, Yes, you can clean up, you can clean up the outside. You can make it look good. And you can convince everyone that you're this great person. But deep down, 
The sin is there and it's there and it's it's showing up in your thoughts, it's showing up in your words and it will show up in your deeds and you can try to you can try to minimize it, but it is there. It may be different than the sins you did commit. You may no longer be going to the strip club, but you may still be filled with lust. You may no longer be an alcoholic. Oh, but you have all kinds of other sins going on the inside. You may no longer be physically attacking your enemy, but you still don't love your enemy. There's so many, the sins are still there. But guess what? Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, there's much discussion about who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And we've talked much about that. We don't have time to get into that. Now, there's many theological issues here. And I understand. And I understand Christians are divided over much of this. I understand. There's always fighting. All I can, I can just plead with the person on Facebook, if you hear this, just, just please understand this. God's law demands a perfect, a personal, exact, entire, perpetual obedience. And if you look to the law in any way, shape, or form for salvation, you will be condemned. If you look to the law for some kind of assurance of your salvation, if you're honest, you're going to be condemned. Your only hope is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't hanging on that cross and, quote unquote, to make you a good person practically. He was hanging on that cross to save sinners so those sinners could be declared righteous. They could be declared righteous because of an imputed righteousness. Roman Catholicism has taught the infused righteous concept where you're infused with it. You have to cooperate with it. If you commit a mortal sin, you're no longer in a state of grace. You have to go through penance to try to get back into a state of grace. And if you die in a state of grace, if, you, if you're lucky enough to die in a state of grace, then you go to purgatory. Then you have all your, your sins purged. And then maybe at some point, you'll finally, in a sense, quote unquote, get to heaven. Well, Protestants and non-Catholics have created kind of a similar system. No, Christ did it all. You're saved by grace through faith because of what Christ did on the cross. Confess, believe in him. Put your trust in him. Trust in his finished work. And don't look to yourself for assurance. Don't look to yourself for hope. You will be left broken, confused, discouraged, depressed, and want to give up. Look to Christ. See what he did for you. And then out of gratitude, out of love and respect for what he did for you, be motivated to pursue him. But let grace be the motivator, not law, not fear, not condemnation, let grace be the motivator. Let God's kindness and mercy motivate you. And I'll leave it right there this evening. I, I am so sorry that this person has lived a good portion of their life struggling and doubting 
filled with fear and anxiety. And it sounds so much like Martin Luther. If you read the history of Luther, he was so, so overwhelmed with his guilt. But when he finally understood that it was by faith, it was an alien righteousness, as Luther would call it, an alien, a foreign righteousness that's not our own, that's given to us by faith, that's imputed to us by faith. He felt like he had been born again. He felt like the, the gates of heaven had opened. The chains had fallen off. He was finally, once and for all, free. You're free from that guilt and that shame. And you will one day be free of that sinful nature. Sadly, it will not be in this life. It will be when you're glorified. Trust in that. Look to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have any questions, please, I would ask you to look for our podcast, the Theology Central podcast. It's anywhere you get your podcast. You can download the Church One app. That's Church O-N-E. Do a search for Theology Central. Listen to all of the sermons in Romans. Whatever. And if if there's something you need, just email me. News I-F. That's news, the word news, the letter I is in India, F is in Frank, newsif at yahoo.com. Say, look, I, I don't understand this or I don't understand this. I'll turn on the microphone every night for 10 years to help one person because if I'm not willing to help one person, there's no point in having a podcast. Whatever I can do to try to help. And listen, other people will argue and, and try to give you different messages. And I wish I wish it wasn't that way. I wish Christianity was simple and one answer but all of their answers are going to just lead you to a path of despair. Your only hope is Christ and him crucified. Your only hope is the shed blood of the eternal son of God that was shed to save sinners. The only hope is an imputed righteousness that is given to you by faith. Everything else is is sinking. It's sinking sand. It's just your, you build your house on anything else. The storms come, life comes, sin comes. It's your house is sinking. Your house is crumbling. You got to build it on the rock. And that rock is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because if, if there's, I mean, I, I, I know, I mean, anyone who knows me knows my failures, know, know how much a sinner I am. Some would say I shouldn't even be talking in front of a microphone because I'm such a loser. I, I've sinned. I've fallen short way too many times in way too many different ways. I struggled with this when I was a young teenager. I, I, man, I believed in Christ and I was reading and studying and going to church. But man, I kept finding myself committing sin that I knew I, I shouldn't. And I became broken with despair, thinking I was even demon possessed because I'm like, why do I keep sinning? Why do I want to keep sinning? Stop sinning. But it, it doesn't work that way. Now, I don't now believe, oh, well, all my sins just excuse them. No, I'm, I'm even more broken over them because I understand what Christ did for me. But now I, my hope is in that finished work of Jesus Christ and from that position of security. And now try every day out of gratitude and love to follow him closely, even though it's greatly imperfect. Look to Christ. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your what you think is change or not change. Look to perfection. Why would you look to the supposed change in your life when you know it's imperfect? 
when you can look to the perfect righteousness of Christ and go to bed tonight in perfect peace. Thanks for listening. God bless.